live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You get like a hiccup or a burp and you try to swallow it. That's what we were doing there. This is the Press Box. <laughs> some guy some guy heard that yesterday. It took him two, two minutes to tweet. He thought it was a soda can. I said, come on, it's eight in the morning. With Grady and Bischoff. Jared, you say that like the quality of these shows have been good since we've been doing it for full anyway. Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. It's a Tuesday. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Want a bird update? Oh, there are bird updates. Always want a bird update. Uh, Maisie and Mikey are doing well. They have not gotten out of the cage since the last time I talked to you. That seems Uh, bad. I mean, (laughs) at least their names haven't changed again. (laughs) They haven't progressed to getting out of the cage. No, they haven't figured it out. Do Do they jump on your finger? No. Oh, God, I can't open the cage. Those things will be flying around the house, and then, you know, tragedy will happen like the last time. So, no, I can't do like that. Like the last time. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to happen kind of quickly with them sort of, you know, getting trained. and, and I all think that. they're trained with the wife, but with me, they're not happy <laughs> uh, because it did happen that one time I had to grab the one and bit my hand off while I'm putting it back in the cage. So I think anytime, literally, I'm not kidding, Anytime I'm within 15 feet, they're moving away from me. Oh, well, you're, they you're scary sense. is basically yes. what it, it is. Basically, I'm I'm a scary person. So, uh, yeah, there's your update. They have not gotten out of the cage since. So now, and when it did get out of the cage, my wife was uh, away on a trip uh, visiting our daughter. And when she came home, she said, you know, Maisie seems to be very afraid of you. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm a very nice person. Uh, so oh, my guess is she isn't listening now. Uh, but Bird got out, and uh, it was not good. Wait, Bird got out when you were home alone? With my son. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he was home alone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was playing his guitar <laughs> or doing something. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, anyway, there you, get, there you have it. There's your update. They're doing well. They doesn't sound like it. It no, sounds like they they're sound not like progressing they're, they're nearly scared bleakless. Each day they're put by the door so they can see the other birds outside and feel that they're part of the party. Uh, I oh, would boy. that would have to feel like jail. It's <laughs> yeah. oh, like man. look at all the free look at all the free ones. What are we doing oh. in here? You're in we the cage open, to protect you from Ed Graney. We open the door and you know, the sounds, the bird sounds, and then uh yeah. And then um they tweet back and then at night they're put back in the corner (laughs) would they'd get blown away if they tried to actually fly though no chance no chance what are birds doing right now for like the last month we've had the most ridiculous wind these birds surviving out here can they just just fly through like 40 mile an hour wind like i guess it depends on the bird see and my assumption was it's like one of those yeah, I wanted to go that direction, but I'm going this direction. Right, that's what yeah. I'm like. Do they just kind of have to fly with the wind, or can they fly against the wind relatively easy? I think they can fly against the wind. Right. There doesn't seem to be a problem in our backyard with the hundreds <laughs> of birds we have uh, making all kinds of noises. So my guess is the wind hasn't affected them well, that much. That's just a bird protest trying to free Macy and Maxie. <laughs> Mikey! Mikey. Gosh. Wrong bird name. They're just they're just a protest outside your house because they're trying to free their friends. <laughs> the first bite. The press box first bite is brought to you by the LVSportsNetwork.com. You can log on and listen to any of our shows live if you're lucky enough. Should the Golden Knights hire Barry Trotz? Oh, I gotta I gotta tell you, I'm sticking to the guns. I'm sticking to the guns here. What are the guns? 
Bring Pete DeBoer back. Okay. Bring You're Pete DeBoer back. I'm stick. That's my red hot take. That's bring Pete DeBoer back. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Well, well it has. Well, he's got I mean, a year left on very, his contract. Yeah. Yeah. Trotz is <laughs> they haven't fired Pete DeBoer yet. Not yet. You're left on his deal. Yeah. I mean, so technically they've brought him back. Do you think they've brought him back and this is the situation where unless someone asks them directly, they won't say anything because, like, why would we insinuate he was ever in trouble? Maybe Probably. maybe it's already been done. Yeah, I I would. I mean, I mean, if Dane Shane, if Dave Shane never asked Bill Foley about Kelly McCrimmon, they weren't going to put out a release saying Kelly McCrimmon's coming right. back. And I think with the coaching situation, there's no need for them to say anything. I don't about think it. so either. Right. Well, if they're bringing him back, no, right? Like, there's no. There's no need to come out and say Pete DeBoer is coming back. Uh, there would be a need to come out and say he's fired if they fire him, but he's under contract for next year. There's no need to go out of your way to say he's coming back. And I think this extends, you bring up Kelly McCrimmon, I think it extends to the players too, right? Like if you ask them about Robin Leonard right now. Yeah. What would they say? Right. Robin Leonard might not be on this team next year. Somebody that makes a decent amount of money is not going to be on this team next year because they're over the salary cap already. So, but you know, you take Robin Leonard, we don't know if he's coming back, but there's no need for the front office to say anything about that until they actually make a trade or, or whatever. Once they figure out their salary cap situation, same for the coaching. And the part that fascinates me is Barry Trotz gets fired, right? And like immediately, it's Golden Knights fans on oh, Twitter. Hell, on Twitter. we talked to Ken yesterday. He said it yeah. seven thirty in the morning yesterday. Immediately, it was Golden Knights should probably hire that guy. Golden Knights should probably fire Pete DeBoer and hire Barry Trotz. And it's a it's a fascinating setup where it if that's real realistic for the front office, are they just sitting around? kind of waiting to see who gets fired from other teams and then saying, hey, is that guy better than Pete DeBoer? Okay, should we try to hire him? Oh, he's not interested? Okay, we'll stick with Pete DeBoer. Oh, oh, he is? We'll bring him in and we'll get rid of Pete DeBoer in that instance. I think the, the reason Pete DeBoer should probably feel uneasy right now is because of how he got hired. He was... You know, not coaching. What was he on the beach in Florida or something by like the that? pool by the pool in Florida? And they fired Gerard Gallant and, and brought in Pete DeBoer. And that was that coaching change was, yes, the Golden Knights were not playing well at the moment, but the front office looked around and thought Pete DeBoer is better for this team than Gerard Gallant. And if they decide that same thing with Barry Trotz or anybody, if anybody else gets fired between now and the end of the postseason, Pete DeBoer should feel uneasy about it. Because if, if McPhee and McCrimmon look around and say, Barry Trotz would be better for this team than Pete DeBoer, Barry Trotz might be the next head coach of the Golden Knights. I will say I have also seen many people on Twitter, fans of other teams, say they want to hire Barry Trotz as well. So it's not just Golden Knights fans that want to hire Barry Trotz. It's basically anybody who had a disappointing season this year is like, yeah, Once fire our guy, bring in Barry, Barry Trotz. Trotz. Let's get this done. Is he that much better than DeBoer? That's the interesting part. So I mean... Look at their records that you've put down here. I don't know if right. he's that much better than Pete DeBoer. I don't even know if he's better than Pete DeBoer. Everyone, I mean, like you said, the response yesterday, and I think that's most, a lot of that has to do with also people were upset at how they finished and they're more upset with Pete DeBoer. So someone like this becomes open and that's like the first response. Oh, get that guy. Yeah. He he has won a Stanley Cup, right? He, he oh, beat we the know Golden that. Knights with <laughs> yes. the Washington Capitals. 
But like that's the only time he's won a Stanley Cup, right? He's the last eighteen seasons, he's he's been to the postseason fourteen times and only has one Stanley Cup to show for it. Now I say that like that's nothing, but it is one Stanley Cup. We're not talking about a guy that's won it four or five times. Right. He won it one time. And he's been a head coach, I think, for like twenty three years. It took him basically two decades as a head coach to win a Stanley Cup. That's basically the same spot Pete DeBoer's in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we're judging people solely on have you won a Stanley Cup or not, four years ago, Barry Trotz was a terrible head coach. And since that one year that he beat the Golden Knights in the Cup final, he's still been a terrible head coach because he hasn't won a Cup since then. And that's the only real thing you can point to Barry Trotz's career and really hold over Pete DeBoer. Postseason record, DeBoer's better than Barry Trotz, mm-hmm. despite never having wise, won yeah. the Cup. He's, yeah. His win percentage is better in the postseason than Barry Trotz. I'm not now from a resume standpoint. I don't think you can look at Barry Trotz and say, yep, he significantly is better than Pete DeBoer. And that's why the golden Knights should hire him. Now, if the front office thinks he'll fit our roster better, go for it. Right. Well, whatever he would, whatever he would normally want to do offensively or defensively, whatever system he'd want to put in place, go for it. Or even if you just look at it and say, yeah, his assistant coaches might run a better power play. Maybe then you just hire him for that. But I don't think resume-wise you can look at Barry Trotz and just say without a shadow of a doubt, ah, he's he's better for this team than Pete DeBoer. No, I don't think so either. But I'm going to stand on the fact I think DeBoer should come back, and that's nothing against Barry Trotz. I'll say it again. I think that fans always want what they consider the next best thing. And let's be honest, the Golden Knights always wanted the next best thing given how they build their roster. So while Barry Trotz is not young, this is kind of the new hip thing that you'd expect them to consider because they always want something better. They always think there's something better out there We've still seen how they built their roster. We've talked about that in terms of getting huge names. So I don't know what they're going to do. I, again, there's been a lot of talking. The two things have happened. Either they know he's coming back, or like you said, they're waiting around for some reason. Because you can't tell me between last week and now, an entire week has passed, that they haven't had the discussions that they needed to have with him about what happened. There's just no chance. Because right. there's no one else to talk to. All the right. players are gone. Who else is there to talk to except Pete DeBoer? The evaluation of Pete DeBoer That's has done. to be done. And that doesn't mean Pete DeBoer has to come back because, again, somebody could get fired or become available that you think is better than Pete DeBoer, and you go get that guy. But the evaluation of DeBoer has to be done at this point, right? Like, there's I mean, they're, they're, not, something's wrong. Right. What are they doing? They yeah, go on vacation, they right? They go on vacation too early. They in Montana, right? right? Not talking to each other. Like, the, the evaluation of DeBoer has to be done at this point. And then it's just a matter of do you think he's the best option? for the Golden Knights next season. And maybe they think Barry Trotz is a better option and they, they're trying to land him right now. And maybe in a week we find out, hey, they did land Barry Trotz or maybe they don't and Pete DeBoer's back and nobody else comes available that they think is better. I, we'll see. Um, I am curious, whether it's Barry Trotz or, or anybody else, do you believe firing Pete DeBoer and bringing in Trotz or another head coach would give McCrimmon and McPhee like a reset in terms of expectations and failures in terms of, Hey, I don't think we replace the coach. And if it, if they suck again next year, no, I think if they suck again next year, one of those guys is going is probably McCrimmon. I think if they like, they don't make the playoffs again. Well, if they don't make the playoffs, I have to imagine they're all gone. I mean, that'd be a disaster. Right. If they miss the playoffs again next year, yeah. they're all fired, right? I would, instead of, including Trotz? Yeah, whoever the coach is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trotz slash Well, DeBoer. why not? Because you want four coaches in six years instead of three <laughs> and five. Well, like, it's it, just preposterous. It all seriously, if they miss the playoffs next year, 
everybody has to go. Well, at least the two guys up top. I mean, yeah, everybody has to go. If you miss the play, like, okay, whatever. You had a whole bunch of injuries. This season was weird. But if you go two years in a row where you enter the season thinking we can win the Stanley Cup and you don't even make the playoffs, everybody has to ready, go. Ready, aim, fire. <laughs> That's ready, fire, aim. Oh, is it ready, fire, aim? <laughs> no, well, you did you, it the right if, way. If you, I did it the right way. If you miss the playoffs, it's ready, fire, aim. That's just fire. They're, the other two words are just gone. <laughs> there's, there's, That's just fire. There's just no straight ready, fire. There's no right. aim. You're just firing. So here's what I think is sort of... Uh, the interesting way to try to play out next season from a like worst case scenario standpoint, because obviously if everything goes well, they win the Pacific and they go deep in the playoffs, uh, everybody's fine. Everybody's right? happy. We'll, uh, yell about them scoring one goal in two games in a postseason series and losing or something, but everything's fine. But if you try to play out like worst case scenario, it's probably better for the Golden Knights front office for McPhee and full or McPhee and McCrimmon for their best interest, not the team necessarily, but for their best interest to keep Pete DeBoer around because that's effectively a meat shield for them. Cause if things go poorly next year, they can fire Pete DeBoer and be like, okay, it was the coach's fault. We we're going to bring in a new guy. So like the best interest of McPhee and McCrimmon is to keep DeBoer around as long as possible. And then event scapegoat him eventually but not until you actually have to do it. So we know McCrimmon's coming back. Foley's already given sort of the approval for the front office. If their main priority is to keep their jobs as long as possible, they should keep DeBoer until it actually, until they're actually under pressure from the owner to make a move. And then, all right, we'll fire the coach and bring in somebody yeah. else. Ready, aim, fire at him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, if they're in there worried about their best interest, not necessarily the team, but their best interest. They should keep DeBoer until Foley comes down and says something has to change. And then they say, okay, we'll fire the coach. And then we'll be good to go from there. Coming up next, we'll jump back into the Raiders and the drama surrounding Mark Davis. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. You still completely unfazed? They won six straight. All right. I thought so. You, I don't know who you are, but you're completely unfazed. This time last year, you were like panicking about the Padres in a row. All right. First place. Listen, that's very reasonable. That's exactly how any baseball fan should think on May 10th, but that's not who you've been for the last two seasons. I don't know what's happening to me. I just think they're good. Okay. You've never thought they were good. Well, I never thought they were as good as everyone thought they were. Right. And now you do. No, but I think they're better. Okay. I don't know. I don't know who this is. I don't like this, Ed Grady. <laughs> you don't like it. I don't like this one. I like the panicked one about every game in May. In May? It's way better. Let's put it in perspective. The Reds have won three straight. Have they? Yeah, they have. They've oh, won three straight. That. Yeah. Scored some runs yesterday. I saw that. All right. I Listen, that's the perspective you should have, but it's not what I enjoy. Well, it's only one TV uh, I'm watching, so... They have one screen. <laughs> Did you see this morning Tom Brady's going to be the lead analyst on for Fox. Fox? Yeah. NFL coverage once he retires. Who knows when that's going to be? I just want everybody to be aware. Tom Brady retired for like a month. He spent like a month with his family and was like, nope, absolutely not. Cannot do this. <laughs> that was the reason. No chance whatsoever. Because not only did Tom Brady come out of retirement to go play football again, Tom Brady is now lining up his career once he's done playing football. He doesn't even want to risk that one month again. 
He wants to immediately, when his career is over, have the next ready to go. Your latest example of not having children. No chance. He does not like his family. He does (laughs) not want to be around his kids. Doesn't want to do it. He had one month and was like, never, never again. Maybe once those kids are like 19 and gone, he might be done calling football games. Speaking of football, he immediately, <laughs> listen, he immediately found another career. He found two careers. I, mean, I know hard, everybody's it's, it's hiring. It's hard to argue. <laughs> That's true. But he found two careers after being retired for one month. It's hard to argue with your premise, although I have to because I have a family and I would never be like that. I love spending time with my family. Yeah, I would love to be home, but I don't have kids. A nightmare, but I'd love to be home instead and be retired, but not Tom Brady. He's ready to, when, when does he retire? Ugh. Like, that's the funny part about I mean, Fox. Who knows? Is it is Tom Brady such a no-brainer to hire as a TV company that you give him basically, hey, whenever you're done, come on over? I mean, we are the official home of Westwood One's uh, <laughs> coverage of the NFL. And I will say that I am kind of happy that certain Mondays he no longer has to do his halftime speech. Oh, yeah. Where he gets called Tommy the still, entire time. He'll be doing Jim that this Gray? year, won't he? I assume so. You're going to get that for like four more years. Is that still with Jim Gray? That's who it always yeah. was whenever I'd listen to it. And yeah. every once in a while, he'd put his son on. You're <laughs> Jared, you're excited about something that's going to be here for like four more seasons. You know that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's still going to be here for four more years. Yeah, he's. I don't think he retires, comes back and retires the next year. Yeah. Like... He doesn't like his family, so he's going to keep playing as long think, as he can. I, think, I don't think that's Based it. on that documentary and the kissing, I think he really likes his <laughs> no, family. No, no, no. He really likes his family for approximately 22 minutes. Anything more than that, it's insufferable. I mean, he doesn't the, want to be around him longer he, than that. I think I think we could extend that to the off-season. Like, an off-season with the family is about his level of... He was at the F1 race in Miami on Mother's Day. He does not like his family. <laughs> I mean, the more you talk, the more you're making sense, which yeah. I don't like. He went to an F1 race. Yeah, but we don't know she wasn't there. I don't think she was well, there. Well, we don't know. He, he took a picture with Jordan and uh, who? Um, Lewis Hamilton? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know who. I, I know Jordan was in the picture. But Jordan they said, doesn't like his family either, does he? <laughs> well, Jordan's kids are grown, so I, yeah. I think most of them are grown. I'm pretty sure. Isn't Jordan divorced? Probably. It's Tom Brady next. <laughs> Or this is how he's preventing from being divorced. They were listen. He was home for a month, and he was like, "I'm getting divorced if I'm here too long. <laughs> okay, I got to get out of here. We'll, we'll we'll be married, but just see each other for 17 minutes a day, and that's good enough. They like each other for 20 minutes a day. That's it. It's a nice life to have to like each other for 20 minutes a day, right? And then they both go on and do whatever the hell they do in a normal day. <laughs> Don't deal with the kids for more than half an hour, and you're good to go. Like you and the birds. You and I the mean, birds get along great for 22 minutes a day. 22 minutes. About a minute and a half. <laughs> 22 minutes. Well, we know Tyler's only good for three, so. I, I come in and say hello and then get on with my day. Yeah. That's it. Let's see, that's Tom Brady. He was like, I got to do more than say. Hello? Hello, I love you. <laughs> like, I got to follow up on that. <laughs> I you don't, you've been it? retired for five years. You don't do anything. Right. <laughs> It's unbelievable. I'd ask you about like your day, family. but I've been here. Right. <laughs> he, they ran out of things to talk about. I think that's also what happened. 
They well, ran he was out home. Of he was talk. home for a month. Right. He's been. Not, he's done nothing but play footballs in their entire relationship. Yep. They ran out of things to talk about very quickly. They were like, "Oh wow, we don't have much in common." They didn't do any more commercials together. Didn't they do a crypto commercial together? Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. She was at the kitchen table talking to him, and he was on the phone with somebody. He was on the and phone he, with a bar in Boston. That's right. That's they, right. Yeah. Because the only funny part of the commercial Blimey. was it was just like, "We don't want you back." Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I'm telling you, he doesn't like his family. There's not, there's no other explanation for why this man would retire for one month, come back to play football, and then within another two months, sign a deal for his next career. How about Fox? Who's They're going to have an analyst for the next four years and then tell the guy you have to go, Get Tommy Boy's here. coming in? Get out of here. Tom Brady's coming in. Like yeah. That's the thing. Is he going to be good? Well, like, that's my very next question. Is Tommy Boy going to be good as an analyst? Right. Like, what if he sucks? Yeah. Are they just... Are and they I, think be... there's, I think there's reason to believe there's that chance. Yeah. I, like, like, some I don't think he's like, going to be completely awful. You can't put him on the air, but... No, because he knows football. Right. Mm. But, like, I highly doubt he's Tony Romo. No, I, I highly doubt we're right. talking about Tom Brady where it's like, oh, I really want to watch the game because I highly Brady's doubt he's even Troy Aikman. Right. He's going to be uh, can competently talk about football, but is probably not going to be that good of an analyst or that funny. And Fox is going to pay him. How much is Fox going to pay him? Millions. 10, 20. Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, sure. Jesus. Do you not remember they used to have to every time there was a coaching availability, ESPN would have to up Gruden's salary. Yeah. So that way he yeah, wouldn't Gruden go. was entertaining and it was he was working for them right then. The, Fox signed this guy without an actual date of when he's starting. And they also signed him without really knowing if right. he's going to be any good. I don't know if he went Gruden had been like doing a... the job, and Gruden was highly entertaining. People loved to watch John Gruden. They, they were mean, like, we're giving this man a TV show where he just talks to quarterbacks. I don't think Tom Brady felt he needed to go and do an audition. No. You want just me? Like, you want me? And he, I'm Tom he Brady. He sent him a copy of Ted 2 and said, <laughs> That's, well, yeah, he was pretty good in Ted 2. Was he? Yeah, he was yeah, all right. He was all right. I mean, for Tom Brady? I mean, it was Athlete a, standards. Was, he in, was he in the B movie as well? He was not in the B movie. All right. No. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're on month three of Dishwasher Watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to the Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Good morning, David. How's the dishwasher? Oh, you know, around, around how I left it. Um, I haven't really made much progress on that. I was, uh, I was had a busy week. But how is the neighborhood uh, message board? Have, has anybody else complained Hopping. about similar problems? <laughs> uh, nothing about electrician stuff. It's a lot of, you know, it's less, every time I've seen next door, it's been completely psychotic. This is just kind of, uh, it's like what you'd expect. It's a lot of people, like I, someone was like complaining about the elevators, but in the way that you in New York City complain about the trains, like being like, they never come. Like, I don't know, I don't know where it is. It just goes up and down. Which is funny to see it getting used in, like, the most humdrum possible way. Like, have you noticed the elevator isn't stopping at 10 recently? It's like, it's definitely, it will. Like, push that little button. That's how you call it. <laughs> it's just kind of, but it's sweet, actually. Like, it's not, you know, what I was expecting was, like, possibly very bad vibes. And instead, it's just, like, people who maybe don't use the Internet very much vibes. All right. 
we've got a, I've got a question for you because Tyler went on a little rant here, and I want to know which side you stand on. Did you see Tom Brady's already signed on for Fox? Yeah, okay. weird, right? How do you well, like just? It's like Ted Williams signing a contract to freeze his head after he dies. Yeah, this is what Tom Brady's exactly. doing. That just like with it holding a seat next to Kevin Burkhart for whenever he wants to claim it. Tyler is convinced that he retired for a month, and the reason he's doing this and come back from retirement, also going to Fox, is he just hates his family. That after a month, I, he's like, I just, I can't do this anymore with the children. It's funny. I was, so I was in an art gallery once with Giselle <laughs> and Tom and his kids. Wow. Yeah, in our, so we live in the east part of the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Um, there's art galleries in Chelsea that are, like, fancy and touristy, and then there's ones on the Upper East Side that are for people who are, like, shopping. My wife and I are not shopping, <laughs> but they can't, they, they won't, like, bar us from entry. So we can go in there and look at the same art as the rich people. And we were in there, I remember seeing Brady, and he was wearing, like, cargo shorts. And I remember thinking, like, who is this donkey, and why is he looking at this art? And then I noticed that that donkey had, like, a really tall, glamorous wife who was chasing their kids around. So she did a good job. Kids seemed cute enough. Tom Brady seemed uh, either completely wrapped in this, like, Lucio Fontana canvas that he was looking at, or uh, is just in his own world all the time. Like, he's just, like, thinking about how much he hates tomatoes (laughs) 24-7. I I was surprised that he would want to do broadcasting. Like, in the same way that I was sort of surprised that A-Rod wanted to do it, because I don't necessarily think of Brady as having, like, a big personality. You know, that, like, the the idea of, like, going on TV and talking or, like, being self-effacing or any of that stuff, like, he's not a stupid guy. He just doesn't seem to me like somebody that would get a lot out of that. But I also think that, you know, whatever, whether it's about his family or not, he doesn't seem like a guy that does a good job relaxing. Like he's not going to like, as soon as he's done playing, he needs some other thing to conquer because otherwise he's just going to either be zoned out in cargo shorts, compulsively (laughs) buying art or just, you know, unhappy in his own home. Like, We'll see what he'll be, what be like. I actually, like, have, it's weird to, you know, because, like, you get to that level of fame, and it's like, I have some sense of what, like, Steph Curry is like when he's talking. I really don't know what Tom Brady's like. Like, all those celebrity golf things he does where he's mic'd up or whatever, I don't watch those. But is he, like, charming at all? Like, I, I should know this by now, right? Because he's been the biggest player in the NFL for 15 years. I mean, do you, well, you don't follow him on TikTok? <laughs> oh, that's right. He does all that stuff now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he's on Twitter, TikTok. He, yeah, he's like an epic uh, board ape yacht club dude now. Yeah, he loves uh, he loves his <laughs> NFTs. I the the thing that's interesting about him going into broadcasting is Tom Brady since leaving New England has been more uh, social. Uh, he's he's much, more out there, much more likable. I agree, but it's controlled, recorded, edited, and posted. When he's on TV calling a football game, it's 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 not going to be that level of it. Like he's going to have to be on the fly entertaining or interesting, not the ability to go back and say, nope, that didn't work. We're not posting that. Yeah. And it's definitely the one thing that I haven't seen from him. And it's like, you know, there's a million miles of difference between Peyton Manning's career and and Tony Romo's both very good NFL careers. But the thing that they've always, both of them have had, and I think that makes them in their sort of separate ways, successful at talking during NFL games, obviously Romo is like much more structured with that. Is it like they're willing to, to sort of digress and like do goofs and like, you know, sort of, you know, more or less like poke fun at themselves. And that's the one thing I've never really seen from Brady is I don't know that he's got 
that capacity. Like to say that he couldn't do, you know, the thing where like Romo's like call and plays before they happen and stuff like that, which he's now like, I feel like his success rate on that is like 50, 50 now, but he was really good at it when he started. Like, I'm sure that Brady could do that. I just don't know if he could do it in a way that like anyone would want to listen to. All right. Baseball question for you. What are we, what are we doing with this dead ball? Like why, why are there no runs? So I saw Andrew McCutcheon had a post on this the other day that sort of made some sense to me that was like that basically because it's still coldish and because the balls are all in humidors or all around the league now, that like that might have something to do with suppressing why it's flying and that like when it gets warm and everybody, you know, sort of just raises the floor on that. To me though, I think there's still something to do with the baseballs themselves that that clearly isn't right. And it's infuriating because it's one of those deals where you're guessing at it, you know, for the first, you know, cause you're, you're basically taking players words for it. But even then it's, you can't just say that it's one thing. Like there's, you know, there was the year where like the ball was hard to grip, you know, and then there was the year that the ball flew really far. Everything I've read about this now is that like some of the balls are slippery and some of them are not stitches are raised and some of them are not. And so it seems like beyond the fact that they probably deadened the core of it, because I think that is something that you can do, you know, at your manufacturing facility that you own when you're MLB, because they own Rawlings. The thing that I don't get is like, it seems like part of the problem is that the balls are just poorly made. And that, so there's not like beyond the sort of the old, like Pete Alonso had that conspiracy last year about like, you know, they deaden the balls when it's, like a hitting class of free agents and then they make them fly far when it's a pitching class of free agents. I think that presupposes like a level of competence on MLB's part that I have never seen as a fan <laughs> of the sport. But there is also this element of like maybe the, the short answer, which is just that like they're not doing a very good job making these baseballs is like, you can see, you know, a little bit of cost cutting at the facility in the Dominican Republic where they make them. And then miles downstream, it's, the only person that can hit the ball over the fence is Shohei Otani. Like, that's just stupid. Like, <laughs> spend the money to get it done right in the first place, and you'll get something that looks a little bit more like baseball. Are you saying if there are better balls, your lead would be more than six? <laughs> you can't uh, totally put it on the baseballs. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying not to jinx anything. I'm, I'm happy to talk about the Mets if you want. I'm also happy to not talk about them until September, uh, at which, like, after they clinch, We'll do a special. I'll be on for two hours and just give you the whole download. But I, whatever, I can't risk this. This is the best chance I've had in like eight years. How how many games? How big does the lead have to be in the division at the end of July for you to feel confident that they're going to the playoffs? At the end of July, I've seen some things happen in August. What's uh, oh <laughs> eight games? Oh, okay. I guess. All right. I mean, it, what it mostly depends on to me, I don't, so I've watched enough of the NL East now at this point that, like, I don't know what the Braves are yet. They don't seem like the team they were last year. They're still, but there's all kinds of ways that that could come together. Like, I don't think Ian Anderson's going to be bad. I, you know, there's a chance that Mike Soroka is pitching for them by July. Like, they're still really good. Uh, the Phillies remain hilarious and weird, and I, I'm, I've decided I'm not scared of them. <laughs> there's just any team that's got like six left fielders and two first basemen in the field at any time. Like, I think I'm not going to worry too much about it. I got other things going on in my life. All right. Another important baseball question for you. Um, 
How much do you think Madison Bumgarner tipped Dan Bellino for massaging his hand before ejecting him last week? So that was really, every now and then you get one of those moments in baseball that is just, it's not just something you haven't seen before. Like, I can't imagine the circumstances surrounding that. I've seen different explanations. I have a coworker that's convinced that Bellino was looking up at the underside of Bumgarner. And I've, I have reviewed the tape very strongly, and I think Bellino was just staring straight into his eyes. <laughs> Why that was happening, I don't know. Like, what element of, like, detective work he was doing while just... Like, it was like a a palm reading. And the idea, first of all, of, like, making Madison Bumgarner mad on purpose. Like, he's already mad. Like, the baseline resting state for Madison Bumgarner is what would qualify in any normal person as incensed. Like, I'm that angry three times a year, and he's just like that every day he goes to work. But then to go there and just basically do something weird until he starts threatening you. I would really love to know more about Bellino kind of apologized for it. I saw where he was like, yeah, that was unprofessional of me. I would like him to go further and explain what he was trying to do. Yeah, he had supposedly he had done this stuff before where he's staring into guys eyes. So obviously maybe he's a little weird. We'll never know. I don't think if there's any discipline, but something should have happened to him. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's funny because it's like when we talk about, bad umpiring, which I feel like we do, you know, during the baseball season, maybe one out of every two appearances, because there's a lot of it. Never is it, it's usually like Angel Hernandez blowing a call and then being weird about it. It is never like a guy acting like an unsettling person on mass transit. Like it's never (laughs) refusing to break eye contact. You know, like this is, he's innovating in that space, which I really like. They're like, whether he did a good job calling balls or strikes in that game, when you are like, walking around at work in front of tens of thousands of people being just the weird guy on the bus, you are doing something special. Like I salute him, honestly. All right, let's do this quickly. Um, Give me uh, which one seed is most likely to actually lose this series, the Suns or the Heat? It's a weird one, right? I still think the Suns are great, but they have really, like, it just seems like the Mavs, that whole five-out thing is like cracked the code. I never thought the Heat were that good. Um, I don't think the Sixers are that good either. it kind of feels more likely to me that the Heat will lose it. But they're going to have to play Duncan Robinson. Like, they're taking 33s a game, and they're not playing their best three-point shooter at all because they're so afraid of James Harden carving him up. And, uh, I mean, I guess I get that. It's also, like, it's this version of James Harden. I feel like if they don't roll the dice on that and they keep trusting, like, you know, whatever, whoever is playing in place of an injured Kyle Lowry to take eight threes a game, like, they could definitely lose that series. All right. He's David Roth from Defector. A little bit of Thank basketball guys. for you. Thanks, Thanks David. David. We appreciate it. Right. Take care. Take care, folks. Bye. So there's David Roth. Um, yeah, we do We do talk a lot of bad umpires with David Roth, but... There's a lot of good examples uh, of the bad umpires. I Listen, I've probably skewed it, but that's just... I've said it before. It's the thing that makes me, like, the most angry in sports is seeing in real time the strike zone, whether the ball was in the strike zone, and the umpire missing the call. It's yeah. just... It's infuriating. It can be the like a pitch in the second inning with nobody on, and I'm like this mother bleeper. <laughs> I will say that the on mass transit making eye contact with people is a good way to get a seat on a bus. <laughs> when I was in Kansas City, if I ever had to do like grocery shopping and I'd be on the bus with like two bags, and I was like, I really want a seat. I would find somebody who was in like business attire and just directly stare at them the entire time until they like got up and went to a different seat. And I was like, woohoo! Coming up next.
The Raiders might have a new quarterback to sign. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Ed, does your fantasy football league have a punishment for the last place team? No. Okay. No. Here's a tweet, and it's a screenshot of a text message. Played at the U.S. Open local today, which is like qualifying for the Mm -hmm. U.S. Open because technically anybody Anybody can qualify. You can qualify for it. Sure. So uh, qualifying for the U.S. Open. Played at the U.S. Open local today. Teed off on the first hole. One of my playing partners wasn't there. We wait a minute. Get the word he's on the wrong tee. Comes over to hole 10. Hits his tee shot 10 feet. (laughs) Five over after two. His caddy looks at us and goes, we are so sorry. He lost a fantasy football bet and his punishment was to play in the U.S. Open Oh, my goodness. Absolute joke to me and my playing partner. Terrible punishment. Not fun to play with, but one hell of a story to tell now. And there's a picture of his scorecard. He actually uh, parred four of the 18 holes. But he shot 112 on a par 72. Okay. So he's not going to qualify for the US Open. <laughs> no, he was 40 over. Um, Did I make the cut? Yeah. He. It looks like his worst hole was hole four, a par four. He shot a 10. Oh. <laughs> I'm right there with him. He's got... Put uh, me down for a seven. Yeah. He's got a lot of eights in here. Uh, got an eight, on a, eight. eight. Of, on a couple Come of on. par fours. He's Take got a eights. couple of eights there. He did... Uh, Looks like his pars were all par four. Oh, one, one par and a par three. The rest were all par four. Ooh, a par and a par three? Yeah. It's a so, nice tee shot. Good for him. Shot a 40 over as his okay. punishment. And I love On a the course I- that was probably not uh, overly easy. Yes, I imagine so. I, now, I do, I do agree with the, uh, the other guy's perspective, the guy that's there that might actually be trying to qualify for the U.S. Open, being like, who the hell am I playing with? This guy lost his fantasy football league. I love that he hit it 10, 10 feet, and they knew right away, oh, my God, what are we doing now? Yes. That then he showed awesome. up, and his first shot was, what the he hell? He was on the wrong tee. I know. Exactly. <laughs> and then the- that should have been the first message right there, first warning. And then the caddy's apologizing. Uh, yeah, I've actually never played golf before, so uh, I love this will be a- fun. I love that he had a caddy. <laughs> Well, listen, that's got to be the head of the league. I was going to say, if I was in his league and he had to do this, I would probably volunteer to be his caddy. I'd be like, you're damn right. I'm going to be your caddy <laughs> and watch you fail at this miserably. All Did right. Uh, give me the three wood. You, you get a seven iron and you'll yeah. be happy. I mean, a caddy that's 40 over, just trying to like line it up. Well, you're 152. Dog leg left. Let's go with this one. Let's go with the back one. Can you imagine that? The guy's just swinging as hard as he can. 152. (laughs) I'm going to hit it like 60 feet, dude. It's not going 150. I'm not getting anywhere near the hole. So that's great. I That is actually... I think that's one of the better fantasy football punishments I've seen. Oh, absolutely. Because... What are others? So, like, the most common one you see is you have to go to, like, an IHOP or a Waffle House, and you have to stay there for 24 hours. But for every pancake or waffle you eat, you can subtract an hour. So, like, if you eat 12 waffles, you only have to stay for 12 hours. But almost everybody who does it, once they get to about five, <laughs> yeah, yes. they're yes. just like done. And they just have to sit in the booth. Yeah, you, you just sit in Coffee. a Waffle House or a IHOP for 24 hours and you eat as many pancakes and or waffles 
as you can to try to. I wonder if you're explaining it to the waitress. Who's, I'm sure you uh, are. Who's obviously going to go off her shift and say, yeah. "Where's my tip?" I'm sure you are. There was a guy that did it at my waffle house back home in Mississippi. The one I was like, "Oh, I I know that waffle house. I've been there." And he did it for 24 hours. Yeah, he he, well, he ate, cut like, him off. I think he ate like seven or eight and was there Ooh. for whatever that is, 16 hours. The worst ones I've ever seen are always the tattoos where basically the winner of the league gets to choose the tattoo for the loser oh. of the league. But and see, the reason I think this is worse is there is a lot of social embarrassment. The golfing? Like if you feel bad about treating other people, this guy for an entire day was just a complete nightmare for two other guys that were trying to Who were to play trying golf. to be serious. Right. So like, would like to finish the whole right. Yeah. yeah. So like if you have any sort of like social anxiety or any care about what other people oh. think or just being a nuisance to other people, this is a nightmare. Because getting a tattoo, yeah, it probably sucks, but like, well, you get it on your butt cheek or something and nobody ever, and nobody sees, ever it, sees it. Right. It exactly. Or the Waffle House one is the waitresses don't care that you're there for twenty four hours. Right. They right. probably like it. Right. Like, this is the highlight of the week. Like, but this one is like you are a Complete a nuisance. Yeah, to these two other guys trying. to I hope he showed play up golf. in like board shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> with like tennis shoes on. I mean, if I did it, that's what I'd with show backwards up. Backwards caps. Yeah, that's what I'd show up in. Now, I think I'd actually enjoy this, even though I I've played golf like once in my life. I'd probably actually enjoy it. I'd be like, let's find out how terrible I am at this. <laughs> Forty-two over. Good day.